0: Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express Okay, it's uh, been a minute since we've done a monologue episode and I am so thrilled and honored to have the privilege to show up in your headphones or speaker or, you know, sound system. Maybe you're listening on Apple TV with the airplay situation, however you're listening. Uh, (laughs) I'm super pumped to uh, bring you some ideas that have really, you know, every time I come up with an episode, it's always about what's lighting me on fire right now. And uh, that's the only stuff I'm bringing you. And so today I have an idea and some tactics and stuff that have been just filling me up in this tough time creatively and inspiring new action and new dedication to my creative journey and i can't wait to transfer them from me those thoughts and feelings to you and pep you out of your mind man i want you to be once you finish this podcast you've you go see a spouse or zoom somebody and they're like whoa man you're too pepped what's happening what's wrong with you i can't take all that intensity that's most people to me most of the time i want to give you some of that uh, i got lots to spare um <laughs> uh, today's episode is about the two major pitfalls that will derail your creative practice and uh and it's also the two opportunities that can make your creative practice thrive. You know, on this show, we are primarily concerned with what is in your control. Yes, being in the right place at the right time can make for some lottery winning breakthroughs, you know, going viral on the internet or whatever. And there are things that are great that can come from those things. But going viral, winning the creative lottery is not in your control. And therefore, it is not worth your creative energy. It's not worth you worrying about it. You know, when I do an interview, I've learned what I'm looking for isn't lucky breaks. I'm not interested in digging up that story. It might make for, uh, you know, some good uh, uh, internet content of like, look, this person went rags to riches because something that was out of their control changed everything. Okay, well, that's. all well and good, but it doesn't help anybody. When I'm doing an inter- interview, what I'm looking for is what are the choices that mattered? What are the decisions? I'm looking for where were the yeses and the noes that made you who you are? Because those are the things that we can learn from. And today on the show, I want to talk about two questions, two opportunities that if you say no to them, you will not thrive to your full potential and they will derail your creative practice. But if you take the information from this episode and you embrace these calls and say yes to them, then you can be on the path to your highest potential creatively. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So What are the two places that you have decisions to make? Well, you know we're going to have to go to the hero's journey. Of course. Uh, As I was going through these ideas, I saw this major parallel to the creative journey and and the decisions they have to make to the hero's journey. And I'm sure you guys are all saying, of course, you saw a parallel to the hero's journey. Andy, you see a parallel in the hero's journey to eating a can of Pringles. And you're damn right I do. That's why this episode is about the 12 phases of the hero's journey and how each of them shows up and is embodied in the popping and trying to stopping of eating Pringles. That's (laughs) The pop... Stop... Gotta get off before you drop... No... No... I can't stop eating Pringles. Um... No, <laughs> no, this, is, this episode's not about Pringles, Um, but it is about the hero's journey. And if you don't know, if you've never listened to this show, because I explain the hero's journey every single week on this show, uh, it's kind of our guiding uh, narrative that helps us to ground ourselves and center ourselves creatively. That's we, that's what we do on the show. We see creative work as a journey and the hero's journey. It's just story structure. It's the basic story structure that we see throughout time in myths and religions and movies and the stories that we tell each other. It's just a basic framework for how we make sense of life through narrative, through story. And so there's just these common themes and uh, heroes can, you know, they're common situations. And the thing that changes a story from thing to thing is, yeah, all the details and everything. But ultimately, it's the choices that the hero makes. And there are two major choices that the hero faces on their journey. The first one is the call to adventure is are they going to say yes To going out there and fighting the dragon, is Luke going to go to go with Obi Wan to fight the dark side? Is Neo going to take the pill to go into the rabbit hole and see just how far it goes down? That's the first decision, the first major decision, and for artists, the first major decision is, am I going to say yes to finding my gift, to finding my true talent, to crafting, the putting in the hard work, to crafting true creative magic within my work that has real merit, real power? Am I going to say yes to that difficult journey? The first half of the hero's journey is all about finding your elixir. It's saying, I'm going to go through the trials. I'm going to go through the tests. I'm going to meet the allies. I'm going to befriend them. And I'm going to find the elixir that's going to save my people. That's what the first half of the story is all about. That's the first question. Are you going to put in the time and energy and work and struggle to get your true creative magic? Are you going to actually put in enough time to find your real talent, what actually makes you different? Are you going to figure out how to make work that's more than the sum of its parts, that isn't just, you know, have a cool veneer, but actually moves people, touches people, surprises people, wows people? Are you going to go on that journey? Are you going to say yes to it? The second yes that will determine the success of your creative journey. And this one's maybe less known than the call to adventure. We all know, say yes to the call to adventure, but you also have to say yes to the return home. The latter half of the creative journey is the hero gets the elixir and then has to decide, do I retrace my steps? That journey that was so hard to get here, do I, is it worth taking this elixir back to my people? And that that might seem like the most obvious thing in the world. That's the whole reason you went out there and did it was to, to bring this elixir and cure back to your people. But you would be surprised how much of an obstacle it is to decide to return home. And this is about getting your creative magic, getting your creative elixir to the hands of the people that are thirsty for your creative juices, man. You're doing them an injustice. Are you going to do a tour that does the album justice? Are you going to do a book tour that does the book justice? Are you going to put as much time saying yes to the adventure of crafting your creative magic as you do? Making sure that you do it justice. My wife, Sophie, she coaches me on this all the time because I often want to say no to the return home. I want to say no to the marketing of the thing I made. As soon as I've done making something, I want to move on to the next thing. And she says, no, you're not going to do that, Andy. You're not going to do what you did last time and just make the book, publish it, and then just move on to the next thing. You're going to do it justice, those are her words, by getting it in people's hands, by marketing it, by spreading the word, by knocking on doors, that getting it to the people that need this cure. It's selfish if you don't. And so those are the two major calls. Finding your gift, saying yes to finding your elixir, and then bringing that elixir home. Those are the two main things. Finding your true talent, And marketing it, getting it into people's hands. The whole point of this episode, we're gonna do a three part series. This is part one, where we're gonna introduce the idea and get you to diagnose yourself of which of these do I struggle with most? Am I a pitfall one person or a pitfall two person? I want you to type yourself, diagnose yourself, do a self audit. Which of these do I need to work on now? And which of these historically have I done a poor job at? And the whole idea of this episode is. I want you to embrace that both are not just part of the journey. They are the art. That finding the gift and giving it away, both are what it means to be an artist. And if you will embrace the art of making the gift and giving it away, you will reach your creative potential. Now, in the following weeks, we're going to do an episode all about finding your gift and and finding your elixir and developing that magic, and then we're going to go into the marketing of it in the third episode. But for now, I want to go deep into your self-diagnosis. Are you a pitfall one or a pitfall two? And which are you struggling with now? Let's do it. Okay, so let's do a self-diagnosis. The reason you need to do a self-diagnosis is this isn't just something where you need to think, you know, what have what have I what am I doing wrong right now, and you know, what season am I in? Am I in the? Do I need to craft my gift? Find, you know, find my elixir. Say yes to the adventure of that. Or do I need to say yes to the giving it away and the marketing it and getting it out there? It's not just about uh, you know the day-to-day, right now, what's gonna help you. It's really about training your brain to notice your blind spots, know where am I weakest most often? What pitfalls do I, which ditch, which side, just think of it as two different sides of the road, which side of this tightrope do I fall off on most often? So you can put some weights on that side of your tightrope stick. You got to, so that you can recognize it because as over time. Sophie, my wife has helped me realize like I don't want to do it justice. Traditionally, I want to have all the fun making the creative work. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm like, that thing sucks. I don't even want to look at it ever again. And I don't do it justice. I don't do past me justice who poured their heart into this thing and, and, and crafted this gift and went on that adventure and journey. I find the elixir and I throw it out you know, off this other side of the Canyon. And, uh, and I've learned that that is my nature. That's the pitfall that I fall into most often. And by diagnosing that and having that self audit, I can see the telltale signs as they're happening because, you know, the heart is a deceptive thing. It can trick you. You get, you know, you'll get what you want if you're not aware of your own blindnesses so the first pitfall you might be a per you might be a first pitfall artist that's a weird uh uh who's <laughs> who's the guy with the red the redneck guy everybody i love doing this on the podcast everyone's like his name is this you idiot I feel like his name's Jeff. Jeff Foxworthy. Um, (laughs) uh, You might be a pitfall artist, a a pitfall one artist, if you refuse the call to adventure. Like we said, we're talking about Luke Skywalker. He initially says no to going with Obi-Wan to fight the dark side. And, um, you know, I'm not so much of a nerd that I know which— order that is or you know what their name is like what's their team like i just you know no offense to you nerds out there but i don't know that i know it's dark side light side that's all i know first order rebel alliance i don't know which logo is which teams i have no idea i got better things to do okay i got three children to feed anyway i'm sorry for getting angry at you okay Uh, and also Neo initially Neo, you know, he's getting the agents in the matrix are going around trying to find, uh, which, uh, are trying to find him and he's hiding and he, and Morpheus is like, you got to go walk out onto this balcony. And he's like, all right, that's, too crazy i'm not ready for this adventure i'm just going to go with the agents and then i was watching moana again and boy do i love that movie and there's a part where she's singing this song and she's trying to embrace ordinary world she's trying to say no to the part of her that wants to go out on the ocean and there's this very moving moment when she's walking as she's like being uh, ordained uh, the coronation of her leadership of the tribe. And she looks over to her grandma who's dancing with the ocean. And she has this look of determination that says, no, I'm going to be a good girl. And I'm not going to say yes to the adventure. And that moves me because I feel like, um, you know, I spent a decade in this kind of monastic lifestyle, I'm not I'm not even living a crazy lifestyle now. You know, it's not like I went off the deep end, but I watched how I just, uh, you know, I tried to be normal for a good seven, eight years. I tried to repress my weirdness and my curiosity about the universe and, and fun ideas and weird ideas and mystical, you know, all that stuff. Like I watched Moana Try to be a good girl, and it reminds me of Andy trying to be a good boy, and, uh, and 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 saying no to these calls to adventure that were just constantly tapping me on the shoulder. Things like the hero's journey. Right, like there was so much about my upbringing that saw these ideas of the hero's journey as antithetical or dangerous, and uh, you know, I grew up in the church, and and a lot of these ideas they they've been used as ammo to deconstruct those kind of religious worldviews, and you know, I can I see all that, and it and I I get it, Um, but there was this tapping on my shoulder. Just saying like, this is your jam, man. And I could have completely missed it if I would have refused that call. So refusal to the adventure, you know, the pitfall one artists, these people are people that want to rush To marketing a product that they don't have they want to rush to giving away the elixir to their people before they have an elixir and you know what we call people who sell elixirs that aren't real they're called snake oil salesmen these are the people that, you know, show up to the Wild West town and put on their little uh, webinar, uh, th- I mean, <clears throat> presentation. I mean, thank God we don't have snake oil salesmen these days um, and say, you know, this will kill you. Know, this will cure your lame back and cure polio and and uh, get you a, a million followers on Instagram overnight. Um, <laughs> and these are the snake oil Salesman, and we're going to call him the snake oil artisan. If you refuse to actually find true creative magic, you know, you'll know when you've touched some of it, when you've tasted some of it. It's when you find a, you know, a a brush stroke that, that, you know, represents, uh, uh, it's like Bob, Bob Ross. Okay. This is creative magic is that he'll do a little wavy brush stroke and all of a sudden you have the Northern lights and you're like, what the heck? That's voodoo, man. That's creative magic. Or you tell a a poem with a, a metaphor that just brings you to tears or you, you find a joke or a turn of phrase that just lights up a room with laughter. Like, the words that can have magic and pictures that can have magic and sounds that can have magic. You know, this uh this leap, you know, dance. I've been thinking about how dance is this synesthetic leap. It's synesthesia. It's saying this sound looks like this sound can't look like anything okay but dance shows it and if you do it right it can move the human spirit it can call forth the most true cosmic nature of our consciousness man and show us that there is so much more beyond the senses that what's essential is invisible to the eye that's uh antoine de saint Exupery. i don't know how to say the name but it's my favorite book the little prince and my favorite quote um But that's what art can do. That's the magic, right? And a snake oil artisan wants to skip the journey of finding their magic and go straight to the glory of marketing it and selling it. You know, uh... As I was doing research for this, I realized that, you know, when we get to the next one in a second, when we're talking about the refusal to return home. There's a one of the reasons you might not want to bring your creative magic into the world is you're afraid that you're an imposter. You have imposter syndrome. You're like, is it really creative magic? I don't know. But what gets a lot less play is this idea. I read this article. I put it in the show notes, creativepeptalk.com slash episodes 276. Uh, and it's about not imposter syndrome but they argue that way worse is expert syndrome. It's called Dunning-Kruger effect. It's this idea that someone thinks they're an expert when they're not, aka snake oil artisan. And so if this is you, here's some ways to kind of look over your life and and, and self-audit. You know, they also say in this article that so much about falling into the expert syndrome or the imposter syndrome is a lack of awareness. And that's what this episode is all about to help you find some new levels of self-awareness because you got to be able to figure out, you got to look around and say, oh, I'm in a pitfall and which one am I in? Do I need to get out on the left or the right? And the they say that you know, an expert awareness is uh, lacking awareness of self, but imposter syndrome is uh lacking awareness of other people you know comparing your expertise to other people and not realizing that you actually have tons of expertise compared to the common man within this field so it's a lack of awareness so let me go through i've got a b c d uh these things that will help you realize if pitfall one if you're a pitfall one artist and you need to look out for these things on your path Okay, so you might be a pet. You might be a fall artist. <laughs> That's a Jeff Foxworthy impression. Now you might be. I don't know how to do it. Um. Okay. A. Uh, if you if if you're a hero who believes that the ca- it, the cave is empty. That the cave where you have to slay the dragon, you're afraid that you're going to slay the dragon, and the elixir's already going to be gone. The treasure's already going to be gone. That if you go on this adventure, if you say yes to this, you're going to put in all the time and energy of developing your craft, putting in your 10,000 hours, and at the end of the day, you will come up empty-handed because there is no magic inside of you. That might be one of the reasons you say no to the adventure and skip to the marketing. Uh, You know, early, even though most often I'm more of a pitfall two artist these days, when I was getting started, I was a pitfall one artist. You know, when I started college and I went to college and every single artist that was thriving in the way that I wanted to thrive uh, were doing so with a very clear sense of their own artistic voice and their own style. And so I went to college and I told my teacher in first year naively, I was like, yo, in year one, I'd like to uh, find my style and then move on to other, you know, pursuits and challenges. In year two, and they were just like, and rightfully so, they were like, "You're an idiot! Like you can't just like find your style overnight! Like give it a freaking break!" But the vibe that they gave me was this. Typical toxic creative mythology that was, you know, I believe creativity is mysterious and magical and, and, you know, I'm all about that. But I feel like we have fallen off the other side of the horse with this thing in terms of we make it too mystical, too mystified. And his attitude about finding style just totally took the wind out of my sails and encouraged me to say no to the adventure of finding my style. Because he said, you know, he didn't say this, but essentially he said, find your style your style finds you. And it was just this thing of like, and I was like, well, you, it better find me soon because I graduate in three years. Uh, and, uh, and I need that style. And so, but his attitude of your style finds you, it took all of the power out of my hands, all the control. It's, he told me basically, there's nothing you can do For this thing to happen. It's not at all within your power. So you might as well. So of course I gave up. Because... And actually, this whole freaking podcast, so much of it is about showing you the practical things that you can do to find your creative magic. And on episode two of the series, we're going to go deep into that realm because I know I've experienced there are practical, tactical, uh, you know, down to earth actions that you can take that will help you make progress yes there is a kismet there's a falling in love aspect there is that stuff but you are so much more likely to bottle some lightning if you study the patterns and you get a lightning rod and you do all of the science and all of the background to catch it there aren't any guarantees, but the, the odds go up and up and up if you do the right things. But the vibe that I got from this teacher was like, there are no right things. There's nothing you can do. You'll be lucky if, you know, the gods choose you. And so, of course, I said no to the adventure. So, if you don't believe that it that the work that you're going to put in is likely to pay off, you won't put it in. So, Check yourself. And I will tell you something. If you make 100 things, you're going to accidentally do something that's going to be more than the sum of its parts, that's going to have some of that elixir, that's going to have some of that creative magic. This is Lisa Congdon said on my episode. The good news is that it's not magic. It's just work. The bad news is that it's work. And that comes to be Letter B in the self-audit for Are You a Pitfall? One artist, it's a physical challenge problem. Are you just afraid of putting in the work? Do you just not want to put in the work? You know, saying yes to the adventure, a big reason why most heroes refuse the call initially is they're just scared of the work. It just is a physical obstacle. When we get to the second yes, it's more of a psychological, philosophical question uh, and challenge, but the first one, it's just about work. It's just you know, before you talk marketing, that's a philosophical thing. Like, should I do this? But this is about can I have the discipline to show up every day? And the secret to unlocking this is make sure that you choose something that you enjoy doing. In the book Freakonomics, they talk about the the proof that when it comes to athletics or or art, like. It's about doing what you love. If you love putting in the work, that is the most ideal competitive advantage available. If, if it's play to you and work to your competition, you will put more time in. And so if you're afraid of the physical challenge, the physical toll, don't go with something that you feel like you should do. Go with something that you must do that you can't help to do. If you love the process, don't choose the reward. Choose the process. What, did you, what do you just want to spend your time doing that will make that adventure not a grind, but a freaking gift? Okay? C, financial pressure. This is what will cause you to jump to the marketing of the gift before you have it. This is what will cause you to become a snake oil salesman. And the secret to getting out of this is diversify your income. When I graduated, I chose to lean into trends instead of finding my true creative magic. Why? Because I got married and I got a mortgage and I got a baby right outside of college and I needed money. And so I was doing trendy work, stuff that was popular at the time that was easy for me to do. I never ever ripped anybody off directly. I never looked at something, copied it and called it my own. But there was no depth to the artistic voice of what I was making, what I was making. Uh, I wasn't mating with my work. <laughs> there was no depth to the stuff that I was creating. It was amalgamation of popular things at the time that I could pull off. and uh, and I did that because of the pressure to make ends meet. And the best thing that I ever did to finding my creative magic was getting a job at the youth shelter. I got a job four days a week part-time at the local youth shelter making 12 bucks an hour and it was just enough to pay and we had really low overhead we got make sure we didn't have you know so we we diversified our income we had low overhead and it meant that the financial pressure was not on my art alone and it meant that I didn't feel the need to skip to making a buck on it. I could just enjoy the process. And the best creative people I know now still do that. They still have clients. They have customers. They have education. They have, they have all these different methods of making money so that there's never too much pressure on one outlet that leads them to skipping, to making a buck, to skipping, to the giving away the gift before they've crafted it. Okay, so that's diversify the financial pressure. The, the D is desperate for affirmation. Are you in a rush to be celebrated for greatness, but no hurry to actually be great? And I'll tell you what you need to do with this. Buster, you need therapy. <laughs> I can't. I'm not a real doctor. I have a PhD in pizza, that's it. And I can't help you with this. Uh, I, I can't I, I can't give you the affirmation and the attention that you're longing for. You know, usually that's your parents fault, so blame them. If you're a pitfall one artist, that's what I'm saying. Call them after the show and be like, "Mom and dad, you made me a pitfall artist because you didn't love me enough." But if you're desperate, if you're in a rush to celebrate to be great, in no hurry to actually be great, you might be a pitfall one artist. And uh, and that looks like getting your mental and emotional health right, self-care, therapy, uh, you, you, you know, doing whatever it takes to, you know, I believe that your artistic journey mirrors and matches your personal journey. And if you're not doing the work internally, if you're not doing the excavation, if you're not going through the dark nights of the soul, it will Show up in a lack of depth in your creative work. You know, that's what I love about creative people. Yeah, some creative people are the most messed up people ever, but they're the ones working through it. And some of them don't make it. Some of those dark nights, they don't make it. That is true. But I strongly believe just like an athlete is at their best when they're at their best physically, you know, creativity is a sport of the brain and the mental gymnastics that are necessary to get in the flow state and reach your potential The best case scenario is when your brain is at its peak performance. And that looks like getting your mind and heart right and and, and not getting all of your identity and affirmation and attention from your work. Okay, let's figure out if you are a pitfall to artist or the ways that you fall into the pitfall number two of refusing the call to return home. Now, I I feel like this one's less obvious to people, especially in story. You know, there are heroes that at least hesitate to return home. Think about Dorothy in Wizard of Oz. You know, once she's made these friends and she's gone on this fantastical adventure in Oz, it's not just the easiest thing to pack up and go back to Kansas. Have you ever been to Kansas? I mean, just kidding! I don't know if I have been to Kansas. I've been to Kansas City. But that's pretty sure not in Kansas. Uh but um and it's lovely, lovely place. Um they're not the same thing. Uh, maybe there's some overlap. I don't know. Give me a freaking break. I'm an illustrator, not a, a geographic or ge- ge- geographer. Um but all heroes have their reasons for refusing to bring the elixir back home, the cure back to their people. And we're going to go through some of those to help recognize why we put all this time into crafting a gift, finding our creative magic, finding that elixir, and then not doing it justice by doing everything we can to get it to the people who are thirsty for them creative juices, right? Um, There's a bunch of reasons why. Now, uh, think of it this way, you know, one of my favorite examples in the hero's journey is... um, You know how cheap it is in Lord of the Rings at the end of all of this crazy, insane journey that took years to cross. All of a sudden, Gandalf uh, just produces these magical eagles that just fly the people all the way home. And I think that we're like, uh, no. Uh, You fool. How could that possibly be true? If there are magic eagles at your disposal, why didn't you use them to get us to Mount Doom? Why did you make us go through all this people? Like people died because of you, you fool. Why didn't you use that magic? It's cheap. We know on an innate internal basis that there is a battle. There is a struggle. There is a, you know, you have to fight to get it out there. You know, for me, the fight, the marketing fight has caused me to uh, craft my elixir better. It's caused me to not want to make a book that I don't want to fight for. Because I know if I make this book to do it justice, I'm going to have to go tour that book and, and, and push that book for a year, uh, as much time as I spent making it. And it And there's this crucible that says, is this a journey to even to say yes to? And it does so much good for the artist. It it makes sure that you don't want to make an album that you don't want to tour, right? Okay. That you don't believe in with your, that that you don't believe this is going to enrich people, man. Like it's the crystallization of your gift is having to get it out there. There are no magic eagles, okay, that are going to market your stuff for you. So, um, you know, with this, you're going to see let's go through A through D, the things that will help you recognize when you're falling into pitfall number two of refusing to give your gift away to put to doing it justice to marketing it. So a philosophical challenge. You want to say no to the philosophical challenge. You don't want to wrestle with the existential questions of is marketing okay? Should I market? Is it okay to, to fight, to get people to see my thing? You know, for the first, yes, it's all about, I just don't want to put in the work. I just don't want to put in the time. And that's just, it's just a physical challenge. But the question of does the world actually need this? Is it worth my breath? to go out there and, 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 and promote this thing. Those are philosophical challenges. Those are things where you have to dive into your subconscious. You've got to dive into your beliefs. You've got to figure out what do I really care about? What really matters? And if you never wrestle with this, you'll never get to the stuff that you actually care about. You know, there were things that I made early on in my career where I realized this thing I made, it isn't, there's no doing it justice because it's not worth a damn. And it made me change what I made. And, and I think the other thing that happens is you, you this philosophical challenge is it gets you to confront your imposter syndrome is saying, you know, do I actually have creative elixir? And at the end of this episode, I want to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome versus expert syndrome and, and uh, how I think that uh, you, we can come to some clarity and have some ammo to uh, shoot these demons down. But that that's the A, do you struggle with, you know, making can feel so pure, but selling can feel so impure. And I suggest there's a book called To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink. And it just goes into how, you know, for a history teacher, you know, the history teacher that makes a difference doesn't just give you the facts, doesn't just give you the gift. They sell you the gift. You know, the teacher that got you to understand why history matters or why math matters or why English matters, or why literature matters. I remember I was, you know, my whole world until age 16 was dumb and dumber and Ace Ventura. That was it. Acting like a damn fool. That's all I had. That's all I cared about. But then I had a teacher sell me on transcendentalism, sell me on Emerson and Thoreau, like sell me on how freaking awesome and cool and interesting and deep and how much literature mattered and civil disobedience. Like I that guy sold english to me and it was the only time that I got the magic and to sell is human so you might be if you're struggling with the philosophical challenge of marketing uh, I, I I suggest that you you fight you slay that dragon that's stopping you from getting you out there because the fact of the matter is it's not your job to convince people to like your movie. It's your job to get them to see it. It's your job to get it in theaters. It's your job to get the butts in seats. And it's not your job to determine whether or not they liked it or to get, you know, to sell the committee to get you the Oscar. That's not your job. But if nobody sees it, you'll never know. B, you're afraid of Feedback. You know, a lot of heroes, they don't want to go back home because they, the, the journey changes them. You know, this journey uh, of creative journey changed me. And as I'm stood upon the precipice of, uh, of putting myself out there in big ways, I have to ask myself, am I okay with my dad knowing who I am? Really? Am I okay with my childhood friends knowing where I'm at spiritually? Am I okay with being out there because the journey changed me? And sometimes getting the elixir out there, putting yourself out there, putting your creative magic out there, you're afraid of the comments and the feedback of when you get home, when you get to your people, when you deliver this thing, that they're going to say, we don't like the new you. And so that's another challenge. If that's, if you're afraid of the comments, you're afraid of the feedback, you might be a pitfall to artist. Okay. C not owning your part. So there's the hero that wants to just overly trust in fate of if the world is supposed to have the elixir, it will get the elixir. You know, it's this not saying yes and to the universe. It's just saying yes. It's just saying, all right, whatever the universe wills, I'll let it happen. But you are a conscious being with your own will and your own autonomy and your own ability to make things happen. And you can't just say yes. You have to add an and. Yes to the stuff that happens to me and and to the stuff I happen to it, to this universe. And it's not a meritocracy. You know, the people that won't own their part, they're saying, you know, if this thing's good enough and the the world needs it, then it'll go viral and it'll catch on. But so many people that do that die without ever being discovered because they didn't do it justice, because they didn't see the sales and the marketing as part of the art, not just making the gift, but the art of giving it away. And there's, you know, the thing. I've thought about this a lot. Like the the qualities that make something viral, that make something catch on in a viral fashion, are not the same qualities that change men's soul. A poem rarely goes viral, okay? Like there's, you know, I've looked at these things. The things that are super uber successful on things like TikTok and Instagram, Uh, overnight, they are, they're often really novel and they often, uh, come as quickly as they go. Now that's not all true, but I just realized at some point when I was studying this and thinking about my, my social strategy, I decided a slowly but surely approach of winning over true fans over time, because the kind of work that I want to make, it, it requires a depth of attention to really grasp the full depth of the creative magic that I want to offer. And so it's not just a meritocracy. It's not just, well, if it's good, it'll go viral. That's, that's not owning your part. D, you're just having fun. You know, just like Dorothy from Oz, like guarantee the yellow brick road, that challenge, the thrill of it offered a little bit more than, uh, Kansas did. And, you know, when you're making creative work and you're crafting that thing and you're, you know, sometimes the other day I was working on an illustration that was just lighting me up. I was just having a blast on my own, listening to music, listening to podcasts, drawing, surprising myself with what I was drawing and just getting into my own little world. And it was safe and fun. And I was just, I was just enjoying it. And sometimes I don't want to then go do a podcast and get in front of people. But my argument to you is to say that if you just stay in your room and you don't have human experience, if you don't have life to inject life experience to inject into your art, it will be dead and getting it out into people getting out in front of people making face-to-face connections getting that art out there in the world is just as important to the vibrancy and life of your art as is spending the time making the stuff and so if you are just having too much fun creating and and it's and it's so fun that you don't want to spend any time doing the other stuff you might be a pitfall to artist Okay, so the conclusion, what should you do if you're a Pitfall 1 artist or a Pitfall 2 artist? And we're gonna do two more episodes in this series, the Elixir series. Uh, We're gonna do one, we're gonna focus all on Pitfall 1, how to find your Elixir, and then two, we're gonna talk about how to get your Elixir out there. We've got those two episodes coming up, but before we do, I wanna, the big answer, of what you do if you're a Pitfall 1 artist or what you do when you're a Pitfall 2 artist is basically the same thing because what you're going to find wherever you fall on that spectrum right now I think you're going to find that these syndromes the expert syndrome, the imposter syndrome they're often freakishly, weirdly you know, paradoxically comorbid they show up in the same person The same person one day thinks that they're the expert on the top of the world with all the answers and then the next day at the bottom of the barrel with nothing to give. And what you want to avoid is falling off that tightrope on either side. You know, there are people out there today, right now, that are going to be administering elixirs. And those people administering don't know if they actually help or hurt. They don't know if it's a cure. But they're not snake oil salesmen. They're people running the medical trials. And right now, they are our only hope. They are the heroes of our culture finding the elixir and bringing them back to us, the people who just so desperately need these elixirs. And why, why, if they're just like the snake oil salesman, giving away an elixir without knowing if it works, why are we celebrating them? Why are we looking to them? Why are we desperate for their help? Well, the difference between a snake oil salesman and a person, a scientist, a doctor administering a medical trial, the difference is humility, honesty, encouraging haters to come and dismantle and disprove so that we can actually get to the true magic. The difference between a snake oil salesman and a, and, a, and a doctor running a medical trial is the humility to show up and say, here's a thing. I'm not sure if it's wor- going to work, but my job is to show up with it and keep working on it and keep putting in the time to find one that does. If you want to successfully walk on the creative tightrope and not fall off the side of hubris and not fall off the side of self-loathing, I believe that ultimately the deep answer that you need to carry on in your gut is a humble showing up day after day to find your gift and to give it away without ever finding the destination, without ever claiming to arrive. That humility will dismantle the imposter syndrome when it accuses you, when it says, hey, you're not an expert. You know, I love this quote from Epictetus, the Stoic philosopher. And he said, if anyone tells you that a certain person speaks ill of you, do not make excuses about what is said of you, but answer, he was ignorant of my other faults, else he would have mentioned those too. When you have that thing that shows up and tells you you're an imposter, you're not, you don't have any creative magic, you say, it's not my job to determine whether I do or not. It's my job to humbly show up. And when that expert syndrome shows up and it says that you are everything, you've got the magic, you've got the cure, you say, just as those doctors would say, it's too early to determine If this is the cure, all doctors have to have the humility that says, this is the best that we've got right now. I'm humbly showing up with this elixir, but we don't know. Even if it works right now, we don't know if it's curing the real thing or merely solving the symptoms. We don't know if a hundred years from now, it's going to turn into uh, other problems. It's going to have side effects that we didn't foresee. But that's out of our control. What's in our control is to show up, and only the sands of time will determine if we were imposters or experts. You know, Little Richard just passed away, and uh, I saw this. Amazing clip. And uh, funnily enough, he was talking about not being conceited, the opposite of humility um, is conceit. And, uh, you know, he's known for being flamboyant and uh, pretty uh, braggadocious, if you will. And so it was kind of a joke. He's like, you know, I'm not conceited, but, you know, these rock stars running around, the Beatles, the Kinks, the Who, all these people, uh, you know, really claiming or, or getting attributed as inventing rock and roll when little Richard might be the true foundation of this genre. You know, the sands of time watching as he passed away and the people that came out of the woodwork to say, my God, here was a man with a creative elixir. It's not your job to determine what they're gonna say when you're on your deathbed. When people show up and say, is this the cure? Is this snake oil? All you got to do is humbly show up and put in the work. Man, I hope this pumped you out of your. I hope that uh, you continue with the hope and faith that this season will pass, this this current uh, difficult, dark time that humanity is facing, you showing up with just the mustard seed of faith to listen to this episode and and believe that there's gonna come a time, whether it's now or later, where this stuff will pay off and count, that deserves to be celebrated. That deserves to be pepped out of your mind about, if nothing else today, If you don't do anything else, I applaud you for getting this far into the episode, because that takes a lot of guts and bravery. So kudos to you. Congrats. I'm glad that you're showing up every week and getting a dose of this pep and keep on keeping on. Man, if that's all you can muster, I celebrate you and I celebrate that. So thanks for showing up. I will keep trying to show up. I'll tell you what. Coming into this room and recording this episode week after week during this time has not been easy, but it has been a complete and utter privilege and an honor to be able to speak into your world in this time as we're roughing this out together. I love you guys. I love you, man. And thank you. I love Yoni Wolf. Thank Yoni, for uh, providing the theme music. I love Alex Sugg for making our soundtrack. Thanks, Alex Sugg. And Jordan Aaron for editing our new editor of the show. I love you, man. I never met you. We had a few phone calls, and I like your work. And even just for that, even just being alive, you got a human spirit. I love you love what you're doing. Thanks for, for uh, editing this show. Um, it's been awesome working with you so far. And uh, thanks to all of you for showing up week after week and getting that dose of pep. Even that alone is a form of courage and bravery and hope for the future. And I applaud it. I celebrate it. And I just stand here with all the utmost respect and excitement for your creative journey. You're not gonna fall off the other side. You're not gonna fall into a pitfall and into a ditch and just lay there and be like, oh, I don't have creative magic. Not with with me around because I'm gonna show up as your creative Yoda as your creative Dumbledore as your creative Maui I don't really know if Maui was the guide anyway I am here every week showing up giving you the straight pep and until we speak again do whatever it takes to stay pepped up